Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. We're in week three of a series that we entitled For the Love. Now, you know, love is one of those things that uh, sometimes we're in seasons where love seems to come easy. And there's other times when love seems to just be a pain. And, and there are other times when love seems like it's some distant emotion that we may never experience again. And then there are times where you feel like love is just all over you, almost suffocating you. It, it seems to be a moving target. But today, when we talk about how does God call us to love this world, how do we love all things, this is where things get a little bit funky. Because let's face it, most of us have a difficult time loving people who don't think the way we do, look the way we do, act the way we do, react the way we do. And all you have to do is look on your Facebook feed and you can see how divisive love or even passion can be. Uh, you could go out today and you could say it's a beautiful blue sky. Somebody who doesn't think like you is going to scream at you and say, it's not blue, it's green. And I can't believe that you would offend me by calling it blue. I mean, isn't it, that's kind of a picture of America, isn't it? And we can find something wrong. We can find a, a gray lining in every silver cloud. But God seems to have a way of boiling love down to something that not only can we wrap our hands around, we can wrap our minds around. We can truly grasp and understand what love is supposed to be about and how we function that way. You know, whoever said that, you know, I, I love mankind, it's people that I have a problem with, he was right. I mean, isn't it true? My dad used to say ministry would be a piece of cake if it weren't for people. And yet, look at us. We're all people. And we're just all a little weird in our own way. I read this this week, and I thought this was wonderful. To live above with those we love, oh, how that will be glory. To live below with those we know, now that's another story. Isn't that true? I mean, seriously, I... I fear that what happens in church life is that the more people get to know me, the more I grow other churches around us. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I, I, I think sometimes Bobby keeps this stat somewhere that says, you know, at about 12 months, you've had all the chuck you can stand. We got to go somewhere else. You know, love can be one of those things that's fleeting, right? And, and yet the scripture says, if we're going to embrace what God calls love, then we have to make a big deal about love. I mean, in our life, we have to recognize and, and be in this present moment grasping how am I receiving, displaying, and sharing love. Now, it's, it's not so much about a familial love that we talk about today. It, it is a greater picture of how do we love this creation that God has placed us in the middle of. How is it that we are to love in such a unique way? Well, let's start today in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. And here's what the text says. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Now, if, if, if you can take a look at those last three words, love one another, I want you to think for just a minute of somebody, you may, you, they may be close to you, they may be in a distant relationship, you may have never met them, but think of the one person that you're thinking to yourself, there is no way under heaven I'm going to love that person. Think about it. You got it? You got it in mind? God says you don't get a pass on them. 
he, he, left, he left no wiggle room. There's no gray area in God's teaching for love. And you say, well, Chuck, I just find that so hard because this person, you just don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they do to me. And yet in the middle of all that, God didn't give us any escape clauses. He said, love one another. As a matter of fact, the scripture goes on in the love chapter in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now think about this. Every single emotion that we can feel, every adjective that we can become, all of them, God is saying, is under the call to love. The very foundation, or if you look at it the other way, the very strength and the, the yoke that we hold everything on is built on love. Our very faith system is built not on the fact that God judges us, although he does, but is in the fact that he loves us even though he judges us. That he loves us and he loved us first. Now think of everything that you've ever done in your life, good, bad, in between, horrible, wonderful, and all of those things that you've done, all those actions, God still looks at you and says, but I love you. Now for me, that is just fascinating because it's so hard for me to wrap my head around how could somebody love everything about us? How could somebody love us to that degree? Well, listen to this. If you look in Matthew's gospel, beginning in chapter 22, verse 37, here's the teaching. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the greatest and most important commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor, and here's those two words, as yourself. Now think about this. Jesus is being asked, what are the most important things in the world? What are the most important rules? What are the most important laws? Now to grasp this, we have to understand that this was a, uh, this was a community and a time and place where following rules were incredibly important. Following laws were incredibly important because to follow a law based on tradition meant that you then were a very religious person. And to be very religious was very important. Jesus is coming now to say, wait a minute, this may not be as important as you think. And he says, when asked what are the most important laws, he doesn't say memorize the Torah. He doesn't say obey all the rules. He doesn't say go to temple. He doesn't say go on a mission trip. He doesn't say be baptized. You know what he says? He says the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Oh, and by the way, love other folks in the same way as you love yourself. Now, this is requiring us to understand the order in which God is placing love and the teaching of Jesus. And this is how we are, are forced this is how we're to understand love in our personal life. First is this, God loves you. You can't do anything to make God not love you. So because of that, we are to love God with all of our heart, and, and that's a pretty big deal. When I had a heart cath recently, it was really cool. I looked over the guy that finished up the heart cath, and he looked at me and said, all good. You know what I thought? I'm so glad they found one. How great is that? And so in the midst of all that, one of the challenges is to recognize that God has first said to us, if we're to love well, then we start by loving God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. And they say, well, Chuck, what, what else does that leave? Is there a portion that I can carve out that that's not inclusive of? No. Heart, soul, and mind. Everything, top of the hair, bottom of the toenail, right? Everything. 
He says, I, I want you to love the Lord your God this way. Now, when you do that, what you're going to find is that this is an equation that always ends in the right answer. When we love God with all our heart and our mind and our soul, we will then find it easier to love people. And you say, well, now wait a minute, Chuck. What about those people? It, it, I, don't, I don't have to love those people. They don't look like me, act like me, think like me. Matter of fact, they're, they're, they're pushy and they're rude. And they, We're not talking about those people, are you? No escape clause. When you love God with your heart, your mind, and your soul, it becomes so much easier to love these people. Oh, and by the way, how are we to love these people? As yourself. So really, we have two bookends of the equation. Love God and to love us in, a, in an appropriate manner. So if we look in the mirror this morning and started singing, how great thou art, we might not be serving people well because we've set ourselves above them. But if we looked in the mirror this morning and also said, oh, that's not good, we may not either because we may be thinking whether every, everybody's messed up as I am. Here's the good news. Yes, they are. But you ought to be able to look in the mirror in the morning and, and say this. I know that God loves me and he has created me in his image. I am an image bearer of the most high God. God has made no mistake when he wired me with all my weirdness. He has made me and he knows me and he has a plan to prosper me and he has an opportunity and knew me before I was ever formed and he created me this way. And some of you are thinking, man, I, I wish he would have created me a little differently. I think that often. You know, I, I wish at 57 your hair didn't turn gray, but it does. And it also falls out. And it comes back underground in places it's not supposed to be. I'd give anything if my knees didn't hurt when I wake up, but they do. You know, it's just amazing the stuff that starts breaking down. I'd give anything. Why, why does that happen? I have no idea. When I get to heaven, I really want to ask, Lord, what's up with the knees thing? But it's not going to matter then. But you see, if we get the bookends right... When we see in, in our desperate need that we need God, that he loved us first, and we love him in, in response, the middle of the equation says we will love other people well. Let's take a look at what the rest of the text says. So to, to grasp love, I think we have to truly understand love. We have to get that concept. So let's think about this. Back to Matthew chapter 22. Now we'll go to verse 40. And the text says, all the law of the prophets depend on these two commands. All of them. So I want you to imagine, however you grew up in your faith system, okay? You grew up in a Catholic church, you grew up in a Presbyterian church, you grew up in a Baptist church, you grew up in no church. What we knew growing up is there are some things you don't do and some things you do. And those things that you don't do, these things are rules, and if you don't keep them, you're going to get busted, right? So imagine what, what rule that you did that drove your mom or dad crazy. You got it in the back of your brain? And yet you just wouldn't stop doing it, wouldn't you? Were you one of those kids that when mom said to hush, you kept going about another 20 seconds until dad finally had enough and he tried to reach you in the back seat and get you with his right hand? I was. And because I was the baby of three, I was always in the middle, which was easiest to reach. And when dad reached me, I understood it was time to hush. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think that's what we believe God's talking about. That, that finally I'm just going to kind of bust you and get you. But really what he's saying is this. Every rule, every law, everything you can imagine that's supposed to make you religious, everything that's supposed to make you a, a, a person that we know you're a Christian because you do these things, God says, 
I don't care how good they are. I don't care how many of them there are. They fall under these things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And love other people as yourself. And anything and everything else you do doesn't matter until, until you get that right. As folks will ask me all the time, you know, Chuck, when you say uh, at Sugar Hill Church, we're the kind of church that believes that the Bible's a big deal and that Jesus is the biggest deal and serving people is how you describe that. Well, what happened to all those other things? What about evangelism and what about discipleship and, and what about kids programs and student programs and house groups and what about all that stuff? And I would say they're all important and they're all good. But every single thing, church attendance, giving, baptism, mission trips, packing backpacks, going to a discipleship group, being a part of a home group, no matter what you do, all of those things, as wonderful as they are, they all hang underneath the one foundational piece that Jesus is saying is the one thing you must absolutely get right. You've got to learn to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. You've got to learn to love other people because you can love him as you love yourself. You say, well, Chuck, but there's got to be room in there somewhere. I mean, my goodness, what about these people who are doing X or Y or Z? Nope, you got to get it all underneath there. When we don't get that right, we don't get anything else right. You say, well, Chuck, listen, I do a lot of good things around this church. I show up and I help clean up and I stack chairs and I, I, I go on mission trips and I give and I teach kids and I, I do all kinds of things. And I would say, but if all that's happening apart from loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, loving others, and then serving because of that, you've missed the boat. You missed the whole boat. Love, you see, is, is the reason why we ought to go do what we do, Period. Not because we want to grow the church, not because we, we, we want to have a cool sign, not because we want to have a hipster worship service, but simply love people. Just simply love people. Why? Because we love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. And I look at that and I think to myself, well, what else would the scriptures have to say? Well, listen to this. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, I've said this to you a hundred times before. I'll probably say it another hundred. Most of my life, I grew up hearing that text sound like this. If you love me, hey, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, jerk. That's how I heard it. So I imagine God as this like celestial cop waiting behind the bushes, waiting to bust me going five miles an hour too fast. And my whole life I spent thinking, it's coming. Here it comes. It wasn't until my adult years until I heard those very same words. Bring it back up, guys. I heard those very same words, and they sounded so differently. And it sounded like this. You know, if you love me, you'll find it so much easier to keep my commandments. Very same words. Heard in a totally different way. Leave it up for a minute, guys. It sounds like this. What if I came here today, and I looked at you guys, and I said, hey! Let's go! Some of you have a temperament that's like, yeah, let's go. Some of you would be like, guy's lost his mind. Others of you would be like, uh-uh, you can scream all you want, I ain't going. But now if I came and I said, hey, you know what would be really good? If we all kind of went out there and decided that we were going to serve one person this week. Let's commit to that. Which one are you going to listen to more 
more lovingly? Which one are you going to respond to more graciously? Which one are you going to more likely step up and do? You know what I've learned? Is that the church today, at some point, has got to wrap its head around this one big colossal thought when it comes to love. We don't have a choice to pick who we love and who we don't. For us to choose who we love and who we don't would say then, God, I don't trust that you made them in the same form that you made me, which is in your image. As a result, I'm on top of this platform and they are below me. And to say that before you get along with it and say, yeah, that's probably true. Remember, to whom much is given, much is requested, which would mean at some point your love game has got to pick it up. That's why there's no room in this love for us to not love people of a different color, a different race. We are called to love people. And you say, well, Chuck, what about gay people? We are called to love people that are gay. Well, what about black people? We are called to love people that are black. What about white people? We are called to love white people. What, what about fat people? We better love fat people. <laughs> Y'all laughed a little too easy on that one. I, I thought somebody would give me an awe, but nope. You went for the kill shot. Give me just a minute and get over this. Thank you. I can always count on Dorothy. But listen to this. I love this. In John 13, 34, I give you a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. Now keep in mind, he didn't say, here's what you got to do. do. You, you got to go to Sunday school. You got to go to the right kind of church. You got to give. You got to go on a mission trip. Listen, all those things are extraordinarily important, all right? But what he's saying is this. The thing you've got to do more than anything else to do is you got to love people. And you got to love people, especially when they're not like you. You got to love people. You look at that and you say, okay, well, what, what else would the text say? Here's one that will blow your mind. Romans 13, 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Literally, the text is saying, if you want to get along in this world, if you want to end the strife and the challenge and the problem and the hatred and the bigotry, where, does, where do we start? I think we've made this colossal belief that if we can elect the right person, it'll stop. It'll stop. If we could speak the right language, it would stop. I love it when I hear this. We just need to have a dialogue and it will stop. You know what we have proven? That's not true. So where do we start? Where does a church like Sugar Hill, where do we start to make this world a better place with less hatred, less bigotry, where we might be at peace with God and with others? Well, according to this, we start right here in our heart. The easiest thing to do is find what's wrong with the world. And the hardest thing to do is to recognize our desperate need to be loved by a heavenly, gracious God who has created us to bring glory to him. What did he say was most important? Love God. Then what did he say? Right beside of it, love others. How? As you love yourself. Then how am I to love myself? As an image bearer of the most high God. But I'm so imperfect. Yep, me too as an image bearer of the most high God. But what happens when people question my motives? Serve anyway. What happens when, when those people have been mean and cruel and they don't want me to help them? Help them anyway. 
What happens when we give money and somebody's abused that and we got burned? Give it anyway. Well, Chuck, why? Because we're called to love one another. It might sound terribly irrelevant to us today because we have court systems that will settle what the, what the laws are and what should be right and wrong. <coughs> but Jesus has a simple command here that, that takes greater strength than any of us naturally possess, more power than any weapon or any rule that is on the book. To do this, we have to grab hold of the law. We have to grab hold and know that that's what's going to pull our sled all the way through this life, that we've got to grab hold of love. In John 13, 35, listen to what the text says. By this love, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So now let me ask you a question. Based on the conversation you will have at some restaurant today, and people overhear your conversation, and your conversation is about other people, your conversation is about your church, your conversation is, 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 is whatever's going on in your world, do those that overhear and oversee your actions and your conversations, do they see you in love with the Lord, in love with others, and because you have understand to do that as yourself? Or is what they hear what's wrong with the world? with no solution. You see, I, America doesn't have time for us to keep talking about what's wrong. We, we're in a state of urgency for us to start doing something right with our own heart because eventually it starts right here. That's a golf clap at its best right there. But I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say, for if you love your neighbor... You, you'll be a good person. He said, if, if you'll love your neighbor, then you won't want to commit adultery. Who? With his, with his spouse. If you love his co-worker, it, then you won't want to lie to him. If you love the enemy, you won't slander him. If love fulfills the law, then we have to truly love every person because they're a person that was made by our creator and sustainer of all life. We've got to grab hold of love. Jesus didn't say people are going to know you because of the church you attended. He said they're going to know you're my disciples by how you love one another. So here's the question. How do people know you? Do they know you to be somebody in love with the Lord your God? Do they, do they know you as a people who would love this community? Do they know you as a person that's just filled with hatred and bigotry like the rest of the world? And Jesus is saying, this love thing is so tangible that you can actually think about it before those words come out of your mouth. Because the thing we know that we know that we know, whatever is deep inside this heart is coming out of this mouth. And if it's something other than love, we're going to hear it. We're going to know it. The text says in John 13, 35, again, by this love, all people will know you're my disciples. If... You have love for one another. If we looked in 1 John chapter 4, here's the text. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as he is in this world. You know what that is saying? That you are to tangibly be the eyes, the ears, the hands, and the feet of Jesus as you leave this building today and you go wherever you're going. And you say, well, Chuck, that's an impossible task. You bet it is, apart from him. 
Well, Chuck, I, I, just, I, I just can't like all those people. You're right. Apart from him. But Chuck, I, you, this cannot be done. This just sounds like some kind of weird fairy tale made up in heaven. I can't do it. You're right. Apart from him. Ira Gilbert was a great missionary who served in East Africa. And Ira Gilbert ran a, a medical missionary place. And, and it was a relatively large camp that served two or three tribes. And one of the tribes were, were several miles away. And people would travel from that tribe to get to Ira's medical missionary tent. But on their way, they would walk an extra mile and a half to get past where the government could give them the same medication, the same care. So Ira one day asked these folks that were traveling all the space, why do you walk past the government another mile and a half to come here? You could get the same medication there. And they said, well, it is the same medication, but the hands are different. Listen to me, folks. There's a cool hipster church on every corner of Gwinnett County. They're hipper than us. They're cooler than us. I mean, they're bigger than us. They got more money than us. They can do all kind of junk. God bless them. I think, good, we need all the help we can get. But listen, this church, Sugar Hill Church, is here. And what is it that separates us from anything and everything? This one word, love. We don't have to be the biggest church to have the biggest heart. We don't have to be the hippest church to have the biggest heart. We don't have to have the coolest stuff to have the biggest heart. But Lord knows he's called us to have a big heart. Let us be a people that would never get tired of loving people. And you say, well, Chuck, those people ought to come to church and then they could get love. No, the church ought to go knock on their door and bring them love. That's what we're here to do. We are not here to fill this room. We are here to fill this room so people would leave this room and go love people in the name of Christ. This isn't about how big our church gets. This is about how big our heart is filled with a love for the Most High God. We are here to give Him away. And you say, well, Chuck, that kind of love, I just don't know if I can do it. Then let me ask you to start acting and reacting in love. How do you demonstrate the difference of Christian love over all other love? Well, let me give you a couple of thoughts here. Maybe love values other people. You know what I've discovered? That love and value touch the same emotion. When I feel loved, I'm being valued. And when I'm valued, I'm being loved. What if we were to value people, including how different they are? What if we were to look and say, love is the spirit and the heart that will never seek anything but the highest good for his fellow man. God loved us not because we had something to offer him. He first loved us because he offered for us life in abundance and eternity. For God so loved the world this way, he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Everyone around us is incredibly valued by God, their creator. All of us. Because people matter so much to God, they ought to matter to us. And we then are to love them as he loves them and us. Because true love is vulnerable, isn't it? It's going to cost you something. True love might cost you something in your life. There are times when we love people, we sacrifice what we want for their good and the greater good. 
true love exposes the heart and sometimes it just gets stomped on. I know folks in this church who they, they sacrifice and they give and they love and nobody ever gives them any attention. They just keep on going. And then I know other folks that if you don't call their name out and you don't put them in the bulletin, they, they, they get pouty and they, they get mad. And after about three weeks, they say, well, church doesn't love me. They don't appreciate me. And they, they're up and off to the next hipster church. See, true love is vulnerable. You see, Jesus in John 1.11, the, the scripture says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And then guess what? Jesus hung on a cross and forgave them. You say, well, Jesus, Jesus could do that. I can't do that. Oh, I think you can. Because to be vulnerable with our heart, with our love, means our hands are going to get dirty. It takes a chance. It goes out on a limb. Love makes a statement and leaves a legacy. I don't know about you, but I, I'm not afraid to die. But I'll tell you, I am afraid that I'm going to approach death and I will not have fully lived. I, I would hate to look back on my years and think to myself, you know what? I never fully tried to love this world as God told me. I never gave that a try. I never once. I just kind of stuck to what was safe. And what was safe was to hang out with people like me, to talk with people that agree with me, to do the kind of things that people like me to do. And I'm never going to get outside of that. You know what would happen? I would have to look back on my life and say, I am so sorry that I didn't try to live for you. God help us from being people that I have to look back and say, I wish I would have. I wish I would have loved. I am not afraid to die, but I am terribly afraid to not live. We cannot afford, America cannot wait for this church to get our heart right. You say, well, Chuck, this little community is doing fine. Really? Everything in your home is cool. Everything with your kids is great. Your kids are raising great grandkids. Money's no problem. I'm getting along with everybody at work. I got no problem with my kid's ball coach. Everything's good. What are you doing here? I don't know a single one of you that are there. None of you. But that's why we got to go to work at our heart. Instead of trying to focus on fixing everybody else's junk, how about we work on our heart? In the end, the goal of the Christian life is love. The measure of our maturity is our love for God and our love for others. Can we love others this way? That's the question. And let me just add emphatically, no. No, we can't. We can't do that. Why? Because apart from him, we cannot express and enjoy love. Why? Because God is the definition of love. And without him, supremely in our life... Without his son and the right priority of our heart, then love will never happen. It will never, ever happen. You say, well, Chuck, I want to live with a passion like that. I want a passion for Christ. I want a passion for God. There was a time in my life I had a passion for God. And it's just kind of slowly kind of eked away. And I, I, we've been on the road with kids that ball all, all the whole summer and the whole fall. And we just kind of got away from it. And I don't read my Bible anymore. And I, I don't enjoy worship anymore. I don't sing out loud anymore. What went wrong, Chuck? What happened? I believe with all my heart that when we ask the divine for a passion for him, the first thing he will give us 
is a compassion for them. You say, well, Chuck, I, can, I, can I just get the God is love thing and do that part of the equation and leave the church to do all that? Can't I just do, let me just do the I love God thing. I'll pray, I'll read my Bible, I'll go to church. Just let me do that part. But tell you what, how about we write checks and we pay people like you to do that love them thing? And the problem is that this is not how God set up love. He set up love to be able to say, love him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And when you do that, then you will have a natural desire to love them. And when you love them in the proper way in which Jesus is driving all of that motivation, guess what will happen? You will be loving them as you're to love yourself. Why? Because you started in love with God. And apart from that, we have no hope. You know, maybe, maybe y'all, maybe I'm just really weird. Which I kind of a given. But I got to tell you, I have fears and anxieties and insecurities. I have hidden sins. I can get angry and lose it at the drop of a hat. I hold grudges. I can be petty. I can just go on and on. I mean, y'all have one messed up dude for a pastor. Aren't you glad you're perfect? But you see, the cure for all my junk is the same cure for yours. It's to start with my heart. For you to start with your heart. For us to have the same heart for people out there. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.